0: My goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Shomler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 541. Welcome in. Happy Tuesday. Happy Independence Day for you Americans out there. Happy Fourth of July. Um, I am in the land of the cockroaches, so I got no wildfires here thank goodness be safe tonight I'm worried about you guys your hands a lot of NFL players they, they blow off their hands it's horrible I again I watch all these Instagram reels and I'm like oh what are you doing with that firework please no oh no you put in your and then it boom and you're like I hope that guy's okay I watch a lot of hor- horrifying horrifying Instagram videos where I'm like I, I hope that guy like is okay after what happened to that firework so please be safe tonight um Independence Day today. You know, we live in an imperfect country, but it's still better than many others. You know, the most patriotic American I know is a guy who grew up in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, a friend of mine from growing up. He loves America. And I think with perspective, you go, oh, you know what? You look around the world, I'm pretty grateful I was born in America and grew up here. We're not perfect, we had a lot of things to work on, but it certainly could be much worse. Now, Let's jump into sports. Um, I want to continue a conversation from yesterday. We had kind of a end of the show. There was like a fun tangent. I I, I went off in a direction. I was like, you know, is Jalen Hurts a top 10 quarterback? Top 10 in the NFL, one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL. And as I thought about it, as I sat down, I wrote out some names, I made a list. I'm like, you know what? I, I actually think that. Jalen Hurts probably is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, somewhere between like number eight and number 12 or 11. There are seven guys I am comfortable saying are definitely 100% better than Jalen Hurts. I would say Patrick Mahomes, that's number one, Joe Burrow, two, Aaron Rodgers, three, Justin Herbert, four, Josh Allen, five. Maybe controversial, but I would say Russell Wilson's better than Jalen, uh, Jalen Hurts at this point. I know he's coming off a bad year, but let's. I, I'm expecting Russell Wilson to bounce back and be incredible. Then you got Matthew Stafford. That's another one that's like, oh, it's debatable. But I'll say, hey, Matthew Stafford, that's seven quarterbacks better than Jalen Hurts. But then you're like, man, I can't even come up with a name I would even really argue. Like, there's a couple that are debatable. We'll, we'll talk about them in a second. But then there are guys that are clearly worse than Jalen Hurts, the Ryan Tannehills. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield. So when I'm honest with myself, I'm like, you know what? Jalen Hurts really is like the 8th to 11th or 12th best quarterback in the NFL. Because in the conversation 8, 9, 10, 11 is Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. Um, Derek Carr maybe is in that conversation. Trevor Lawrence, he's really young. It's hard to judge. Justin Fields, he's young. It's hard to judge. I guess Dak Prescott. I, I would take Jalen Hurts over Dak Prescott any day, um, but that's that's just me. I'm, I'm biased there. I don't. I have a hard time talking about Dak because I've been on this train that he's overpaid for so long. It's really hard for me to ever acknowledge like he is good, but he's been on some really good football teams and not taken them where he needs to go. At least Jalen Hurts got to a Super Bowl. <laughs> um, but the the conversation that I find really really interesting here is that they're. I cannot easily name 10 guys better than Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts probably is like the nine, 10, or 8th best quarterback in the NFL. He's a top 10 quarterback. I have to acknowledge that. Um, If anyone—I don't—no one was really mad about that yesterday, but I was like, ah, you know, intellectually honest, Zach, I gotta be straightforward. I I think he is. And the fun question for me, after you go, hey, there's not 10 guys better, the next thing I go to is, well— the Eagles roster that went to a Super Bowl last year was just absolutely insane. They had, in my opinion, the best offensive line and the best defensive line of the NFL. That's really, really rare to happen. They had talent everywhere on the perimeter. And so the fun question after that is, well, who could have taken that Eagles team to a Super Bowl? Jalen Hurts did, but could Lamar Jackson have done that? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think Lamar Jackson would have been really fun to watch on the Eagles last year. Derek Carr. Could Derek Carr have taken that really insanely loaded roster to a Super Bowl? Yeah, I think so. Kyler Murray, that's tougher. Mm, I worry about his leadership, but probably. Jared Goff, yes. I think Jared Goff, you put a great team around him. He needs support, but Jared Goff with a lot of support, I think could win, win a lot of games and maybe go to a Super Bowl. I guess, in fact, he did. Remember when Jared Goff lost the Super Bowl with the Rams on a loaded roster? So I I think that speaks for itself. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, Jimmy Garoppolo could have taken that Eagles team to a Super Bowl last year. I don't think he would have won, but he's been to a Super Bowl before with a loaded 49ers roster. Trevor Lawrence. Could Trevor Lawrence have taken that Eagles team last year to a Super Bowl? Yeah, probably. Dak Prescott's where I go, uh, but I'm really biased. I have a hard time judging Dak Prescott, but maybe, maybe, probably. But the reason why I started that conversation of is Dak Prescott a top 10 quarterback is because Dak Prescott signed, sorry, Dak Prescott, (laughs) what am I talking about? Jalen Hurts signed a massive $255 million contract. Jalen Hurts is now the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL after this offseason. And the reason we got on that conversation of is Jalen Hurts a top 10 quarterback was acknowledging that we live in a weird world where Jalen Hurts, who I love, he's a great leader, he's he's my favorite you know, him, Gardner Minshew and Baker Mayfield are my three favorite college football players of all time. I love the story of Jalen Hurts. I love where he started, you know, losing his job at Alabama, getting benched to Tua. To now he's I think much better than Tua. I feel better about Jalen Hurts than Tua. He's making a ton of money. It's a really remarkable journey he's been on of growth and improvement as a quarterback. However, it's still weird to me that the guy who's likely the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the NFL is the second highest paid. I just have to acknowledge the weirdness of that reality, right? Like, where, well, you know, it, it's so funny the metrics we use to measure people. There's a reason we don't say, hey, the highest paid guy is the best guy, because the best guy is Patrick Mahomes. And then there's a conversation after him of like, well, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Herbert, Josh Allen, this kind of amalgamation of a bunch of guys. But Jalen Hurts has paid more than everyone I just listed. He's paid more than Aaron Rodgers, more than Patrick Mahomes. So it's just a, it's an interesting reality that the value works out that way. And it makes you realize just how, I remember when Patrick Mahomes signed that really big contract, people were like, oh my gosh, what? But the, and I think I even said this at the time, the longer we move forward in time, And the more time we have to reflect on Patrick Mahomes' massive contract, you know, it was long and big. Ayo. Um, The more time we have to reflect on that contract, the more we go, wow, that's a great deal. You know, the fact that Jalen Hurts makes a lot more money than Patrick Mahomes is uh, awkward and interesting to me. And, um, you know, it's, I just have to acknowledge that. It's like, huh, Jalen Hurts, $255 million. Are you sure about that? He's good. He's a top 10 quarterback. I got to acknowledge that after sitting down and really being honest with myself. But I still think 255 is a lot of money for that guy. Um, now, I want to make a correction from yesterday. I was wrong about something. We have to, you know, we started with kind of a, a half correction there. Just, you know, well, let's revisit something. This is truly like a correction where I'm like, I said something that was wrong. And I, I, don't, know how, I don't know how I ended up believing this, but I, I just was off. And so... To correct the record, Jordan Love was drafted in 2020, the same draft as Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert. So that means that Jordan Love has been in the NFL for three years now. He's entering year four. And I'm excited to watch him, but he sat under Aaron Rodgers for three years in Green Bay, not two, it's three. So Jordan Love drafted in 2020, been in the NFL for three years. He's entering year four. And I think the pressure's on, man, like... Well, let's see what he can do. But I, I, I want to repeat, I have confidence in Jordan Love. It's going to be fine. He's going to be not amazing, not an all-pro, nothing like that, but he's going to be a good starter and he's going to build a solid foundation for the rest of his career this year. And uh, I, I have a piece about that. I, I think Jordan Love's going to be all right and I'm not really worried. Now, um, I don't know that this guy, I don't even know who you would say is the best receiver in the NFL Mmm, Tyree Kill? Travis Kelsey is a tight end. You can't really say that. Like, who's the best receiver in the NFL? I don't know. Feel free to write in. I'd love to hear your guys' opinion. It's always hard to judge that, like, because skill sets are so different. A really tall six foot-five receiver catches jump balls compared to Tyree Hill, who's short and fast and just outruns everybody. Like, how do you compare that kind of skill set? I don't know. But to me, the guy I'm about to name is still one of the best receivers in the NFL. And something went down with him this offseason that you're like, huh, that's noteworthy and interesting. And I, I, I read into a lot of it and go, huh, here's why I think that happened and what's going on. So earlier this offseason, the Arizona Cardinals cut receiver DeAndre Hopkins. They tried to trade him away. Nobody wanted his contract. He was making over $19 million a year. Just no one wanted to, you know, agree to take on that contract. But that aside, I don't really care about the money here. I care about the obvious vote of no confidence from DeAndre Hopkins towards Arizona Cardinals and, more importantly, towards their young quarterback, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, in my opinion, didn't do enough to keep DeAndre Hopkins happy, build a relationship with him. It's a bad sign that DeAndre Hopkins wants out of Arizona. In fact, he did get out of Arizona. He got cut. I have never seen an example of DeAndre Hopkins being a diva. He's not Terrell Owens. He's not Chad Ochocinco. He's not Odell Beckham Jr. From, from my understanding of DeAndre Hopkins, he's a player that would fit well into like the Patriots organization. He goes to work. He works hard. He cares about football. He loves the game. He wants to get paid for all his effort, but he really does seem like a guy who's locked in, not dramatic. He goes to work and works hard every day. So the fact that he wanted out of Arizona is very concerning if you're a Cardinals fan. It's a vote of no confidence in your organization, your new head coach, and frankly, your quarterback, Kyler Murray. And I don't blame DeAndre Hopkins for wanting out of Arizona. I think he was tired of playing for bad football teams. You know, years in Houston, then a couple years in Arizona, losing, losing, losing. I mean, it, it could not have been fun. And what's really kind of crazy, when you look around all the speculation and, you know, I I typed into Google, you know, where are the top targets for DeAndre Hopkins? I was curious what everyone was saying. And basically, it felt like every good team in the NFL is an option. You're like, okay, here are the teams I I read about. Buffalo, the Jets, the 49ers, Cleveland, Philly, Baltimore, Dallas. It's a who's who of like... All the teams that are trying to win in the NFL, you're like, okay, so basically any team that wins and has a little bit of money is in the market for DeAndre Hopkins in theory on paper. Now, when you look closer, it sounds like it's been narrowed down to Buffalo or Kansas City, but I I have no idea. Like the Ravens think they're going to get him. A lot of teams think they're in the running for DeAndre Hopkins, and I truly have no idea where he's going to go or what's going to happen. It is clear to me that wherever DeAndre Hopkins does go, immediately that football team is much better. And a better chance of winning and making the playoffs. He's a big impact player, in my opinion. He makes your offense better. He makes matchups incredibly difficult. I mean, imagine if he went to like Cincinnati and you're like, who who do we guard? I don't know. We're running four wide receivers all day long. And uh, we have no idea what, what to do with everyone here. Like, if you're on defense, you are just screwed. But the place I want to see DeAndre Hopkins go, and I don't know that it's financially possible. There'd have to be a lot of salary cap manipulation and money maybe borrowed in the future, like, hey, we'll pay you money down the road. Because right now, from what I can tell, is that the Kansas City Chiefs have less than $4 million in cap room for this year. So I don't—I I mean, there, the financial people out there can explain whether or not it's actually possible for Kansas City to sign him. I also know that a lot of the the money being paid to DeAndre Hopkins is actually coming from Arizona, so maybe that helps. But when I look at the career of DeAndre Hopkins, he's made over $100 million in his career. He's got paid a ton of money. He's made his money. He's 31 years old. If I were DeAndre Hopkins, I would want to win football games. Like, hey, where can I go? I've been, I was in Houston for years. I was in Arizona. It went bad everywhere I went. I want to win. I want to have fun. I want to play with an incredible quarterback and give me the football. You know, when I look at this list, I've got, you know, Buffalo, Dallas, New York, 49ers, Philly, Cleveland. Would I rather play with Jalen Hurts if I'm a receiver or Patrick Mahomes? Would I rather be coached by Andy Reid or literally anyone else? Who's going to get me the best matchup? Andy Reid is. He's the most creative, inventive mind in football. Hey, the Jets are fun. Go there. Except you don't know how long Aaron Rodgers is going to last. And then after Aaron Rodgers retires, then what? Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts? Patrick Mahomes or Dak Prescott? Patrick Mahomes or Brock Purdy? Who I want? Who do I want throwing me the football? I'd rather, if I'm a receiver, play with Patrick Mahomes than Brock Purdy. Hey, I love Lamar. I, I want to see if the Ravens can get DeAndre Hopkins. It would be so good for the NFL. It would be so interesting because another team would be propped up a little more. And it would make Lamar Jackson a better passer. It would make everything better. I think it would be good for like the equal playing field of the NFL. But if I was DeAndre Hopkins, where would I go? I've made my money. We just talked yesterday about Travis Kelsey saying, hey, I take less money to win and have fun, and it's a good time in Kansas City. And you know what? I get the football. I get a lot of great matchups. I get taken care of. I, if I were, I I don't know where DeAndre Hopkins is going to go. I don't know where, I don't know what's possible. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know that if I were him, I would be fighting hard to find a way into DeAndre Hopkins. And it feels kind of like a super team NBA style move, a team that doesn't need him. That's really good. And You're like, oh, why are you going there? You're ring chasing. It's like Kevin Durant going to the Golden State Warriors. So like, hey, they're already amazing. They don't need you, Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kansas City's already amazing. They don't need DeAndre Hopkins. But from a quality of life standpoint for DeAndre Hopkins, Kansas City makes the most sense to me. And so that's where I would go if I were him. I am very curious to see where he goes as time goes on. All right, Jaguars fans, we got some Jaguars news. Uh, It's not good news necessarily, but it's going to challenge your football team. Uh, Let's start with an interesting angle. I'm going to see if you can figure out where I'm going with this. Um, The first four games of the year for Jacksonville are Indianapolis, Kansas City, Houston, and then Atlanta. So, you know, the pass rushers in that game were like Quiddy uh, George Karloftis, Will Anderson Jr. from Houston, the awesome rookie. We'll talk about him, him in a moment. Why is it notable who the Jaguars are playing in the first four weeks? Why does it matter who the pass rushers they're going to be playing against are? Here's why it matters. Jaguars left tackle Cam Robinson was suspended the first four games of the year for violating the NFL's PED policy, performance enhancing drugs. So that means Cam Robinson, the left tackle for the Jaguars, a team that made the playoffs last year that is trying to get further down the road. They're going to lose a really important part of their offense for the first four games of the year. Their left tackle for their young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Good news is, late in the first round, they drafted Anton Harrison, a a left tackle. Oh my gosh. Hey, they spent a first round pick on a left tackle. Now, they were not anticipating Anton Harrison was going to play immediately, week one. He's going to be a day one starter as a rookie. Um, not ideal. However, again, I, they're not playing against the 49ers. They're not playing against, you know, TJ Watt in Pittsburgh. They're playing against Pay, George Karloftis, Will Anderson Jr., young guys trying to prove themselves who are not going to be great matchups. I, I'm not excited to see a, a rookie left tackle starting day one for the Jaguars. However, it could be worse. And, It's a very interesting wrinkle. Something to look forward to and kind of pay attention to the first four weeks of the year during the NFL season is how do the Jaguars do? And how does losing Cam Robinson affect them? How does Anton Anton Harrison really play? That's the big question. I hope he plays well. I'm rooting for the young man. For Jaguars fans, I really hope he plays well because this is a football team that is poised to, I mean, they could win their division. It's really up for grabs. And uh, I, I think the Jaguars, it feels weird to say this, but they might be the best team in their division. Indy, Tennessee, Houston. Uh, I think the Jaguars are the best team of the teams I listed. Tennessee's good. Um, they're going to be challenging. They're going to be in the mix, but I think the Jaguars are better. But how do the first four weeks losing Cam Robinson affect the Jaguars? That's the question That uh, it's going to be an interesting storyline to follow early on in the NFL season. All right, uh, kind of our our main meat and potatoes topic of the show today is about the NFL draft, something I haven't covered yet. There were really only four quarterbacks I found interesting in the NFL draft. There's a couple more that I will talk about in a Patreon question, but there are four quarterbacks who I think have a potential to maybe be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, and the guy, the quarterback I am obsessed with from this year's NFL draft that I just cannot stop thinking about, Um, I'm surprised by this because it's the guy I'm the least excited about, but I think that's part of it is I I don't really know how good he can be. I'm so fascinated by this and I think this is going to surprise you. It's a quarterback I haven't talked a lot about in my past when I covered college football. The guy I'm obsessed with is CJ Stroud. He was drafted number two overall by the Houston Texans. I expect CJ Stroud to be the day one starter in Houston. But again, the question that I, I... find fascinating is how good can C.J. Stroud really be? Because I look at him and I think he's probably closer to Jared Goff or Derek Carr than Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert. Mobility is not a big part of the game for C.J. Stroud. He's just not a guy who runs around a lot. It's not that he's not fast. He actually is pretty quick. I've seen him get to the outside occasionally on a broken play and you're like, oh, wow. He can run. Why doesn't he? <laughs> Why is extending plays and running around not a bigger part of CJ Stroud's game when clearly he has speed? He's got the tools to work with. This new generation of quarterbacks, so look around the NFL. They're all very mobile. The only young, exciting quarterback I can think of, other, I guess, you know, another one, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. They're the two guys who are young, exciting quarterbacks who... Don't really have a lot of mobility as part of the game. But actually, Trevor Lawrence can run. I've seen Trevor Lawrence run around a couple times. He's He's a, had a couple huge runs at Clemson. It's not like Trevor Lawrence doesn't move when he needs to. But the majority, and the guys who I think are top five quarterbacks in the NFL that are young and this new generation of quarterbacks. I'm not going to count Aaron Rodgers. He's closer to retirement than this new generation is. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, these are all quarterbacks who run around, extend plays. It's part of their game. It's, they, don't, they don't even need to call design runs. They just extend plays by that's a big part of how they play the game. So basically, all the good young quarterbacks, in my opinion, can move. Even Trevor Lawrence. Joe Burrow is the, the one exception. Where I'm like, hey, this guy tends to, he, he can run around, but it's not, a, it's not a big baked in part of his game. So the only the exception to the rule is Joe Burrow in my opinion. You're going to be a top 5 quarterback in this generation of quarterbacks you got to run around unless you're Joe Burrow, who's like unbelievable. So the question then is is CJ Stroud Joe Burrow? I like CJ Stroud. He's awesome. Seems like a good guy. I'm sorry he's not Joe Burrow. The 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 swagger, the confidence, the ability to make incredible throws. Almost like, it's so cliche, but like willpower. Like something about Joe Burrow, just he makes it work. So is CJ Stroud closer to Joe Burrow or Jared Goff? I think he's more like Jared Goff and Dak Prescott, which isn't bad. But if you're not going to run around and extend plays, you're going to need a lot more help to win so this is very important I don't want this to be lost Houston Texans fans let me talk to you I think Houston got a franchise quarterback CJ Stroud is awesome there's no shame in saying hey our quarterback is like the gonna be at his best like the 12th best quarterback in the NFL maybe 9 10 Jared Goff or Dak Prescott That he's in that level you know Derek Carr maybe Maybe a Derek Carr, but with a little more poise. Fewer bad interceptions and mental breakdowns. But my big two concerns about C.J. Stroud are that he doesn't have, you know, a lot of mobility. He he can run, but he doesn't. It's not part of his game. It's not how he plays. And another concern is that at Ohio State in college, C.J. Stroud had so much talent around him. He always had the better receivers than the other team they were playing against. He always had an amazing offensive line. And I watched him sit in the pocket. And I know it's a weird thing to say, like, hey, this quarterback wins from the pocket. That's not a bad thing. But he was untouched in the pocket, throwing to guys who were often wide open or making spectacular catches against man-to-man coverage. He had amazing receivers. Look at the guys Ohio State's produced recently at the receiver position, and you're like, Oh, he was thrown to like five NFL receivers throughout his, his career. And then you look at Houston where C.J. Stroud went. In 2020, Houston went 4-12. and 12. In 2021, they went 4-13. and 13. In 2022, last year, they went 3-13-1. This is a team that's just not won for years. It's a bad organization. I think going to Houston is going to be a really big shock for C.J. Stroud. He had a lot of help in college. It's part of why he won so much and looked so good. He can make big throws. I'm not saying he's not awesome. I I believe in him. He's probably going to have a career similar to Matt Ryan, make a lot of numbers, do a lot of big stuff, but he'll never be a top five quarterback. If he is, I'll be surprised. So Houston's awful. That's going to be a challenge. I I believe in C.J. Stroud. I want to repeat that over and over and over again. He's going to be a top 15-ish quarterback in time throughout his career. He's going to have a good career, a long career. He's a franchise quarterback. I think Houston got their guy. I love it. However, there's a ceiling to C.J. Stroud and I don't think he's ever going to be a top five quarterback. I'm willing to be proven wrong. I hope he does. But my concerns are mobility is not a big part of his game and he no longer has a ton of help like he had in college and that's going to be A shock early on, in my opinion. Getting hit, getting sacked a lot. Not having better receivers in the defense easily and obviously every time. But I saw a lot of stuff I liked from C.J. Stroud. Accuracy, timing. He's a smart guy. I believe in him. But he's, again, more like Matt Ryan, more like Dak Prescott, more like Derek Carr than he is in the category of Justin Herbert, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that there's ever going to be a moment where we go, CJ Stroud's a top five quarterback in the NFL. That's okay. But that's where he is. Now, uh, a guy who does have potential to be a top five quarterback. Now, he's a long way away. What did friend of the show, that franchise guy, Marcus Whitman, call this quarterback? I think he called him a beautiful mess. The Colts drafted Anthony Richardson number four overall I love this guy. So much potential. I mean, like when you create a player in Madden and you've got a quarterback you literally designed and you built their attributes, Anthony Richardson is the guy you create. Like when I, I'm not going to play the new Madden, but if I was and I started a franchise, I would just play with the Colts. I wouldn't even need to create a player. I'd be like, oh, my guy's already here. Anthony Richardson, massive arm, can run like a freight train, struggles with accuracy, got a lot of problems. But hey, I'm playing Madden. I'm the one making decisions, not Anthony Richardson. So the the potential is there with Anthony Richardson. I think he's unbelievable as far as the talent and where he can go. He I, it's terrifying. He he's fast, he's powerful, got a huge arm, really accurate when, he, when he's at his best. Like the best of Anthony Richardson is unbelievable. Um but I don't think he's ready. Anthony Richardson was drafted in the top five, number four overall pick. I think it's possible he doesn't play at all this year. You know, the starting quarterback in Indianapolis is Gardner Minshew. He came over from Philly along with Shane Steichen, the new head coach. Shane Steichen last year was the Eagles' offensive coordinator. And him designing plays for Jalen Hurts gets me excited because I think Anthony Richardson is more talented physically than Jalen Hurts' bigger arm, better arm, better runner, maybe more powerful. It's terrifying. It's like, I I, I even said this at some point last year during the draft. I'm like, I I wish we could see a reality where Philly could draft Anthony Richardson because I want to see him play in that offense. And guess what? We're basically going to get to see that. We're going to get to see Philadelphia's offense instituted into Indianapolis and then watch Anthony Richardson grow into it and run it in time. But it's going to be a while. Because he's not ready. He threw a lot of bad interceptions. He had a lot of moments where we were like, oh my goodness, we got a lot to learn at Florida last year in college. But I, I got to say this. The play design of Shane Steichen, the Eagles head coach, paired with the talent of Anthony Richardson. We may not see this bear fruit until not, not 2023 at all, but next year, the 2024-2025 season. It might not be till next year, literally, till we see this guy play. Remember, Patrick Mahomes had to sit for an entire year under Alex Smith. And I think the longer you sit Anthony Richardson, play Gardner Minshew, he's good enough, you're going to lose, but it's okay. Wait until Anthony Richardson is ready. If you do that, you might get a really special, potentially top five quarterback. He's that talented. He is just, I think he's more talented than Bryce Young, who went number one overall in the NFL draft. Potential doesn't mean it's going to work out, but he's got potential to be a top five quarterback in the NFL in a couple of years. He's going to struggle early on. Again, he even struggled in college. Garter Mitch is a day one starter, could have the job maybe all year. He's got a lot to learn. But, and this is why I want to be clear. I think Anthony Richardson might be better than CJ Stroud in time, but the reason why Houston could not afford to draft him is they can't afford to wait a whole year to maybe play a quarterback. I'm not sure Indy can either. They might get impatient. I hope they don't. But Houston's like, we need a franchise quarterback now. We can't wait. CJ Stroud's more ready to play. I think he'll be better early on. But it's possible five, six years from now we'll look back and go, man, Anthony Richardson is amazing. Similar to the way we do with Tua and Justin Herbert. Remember everyone said, Tua's more ready for the NFL. Justin Herbert's really raw, not ready. Who's better today? NFL fans, I ask you: If you didn't have a quarterback and your team was making a trade, would you rather your team trade for Tua, who was more ready at the time, or Justin Herbert? You remember the 2018 NFL draft? Josh Allen isn't ready. He's really big. He's really gifted, but he's—it's just not. Huh? You know, he's going to take a lot of time to develop. You should draft Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen is the most NFL ready. Who's the best quarterback in the NFL? Top five? Um, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, maybe four or five. He's a top five quarterback. I don't even know if, is Josh Allen even in the NFL anymore? I'm not even looking look it, but I don't care. I'm not, I don't care enough to look it up. But my point is, you know, when you make a move and get the guys who are NFL ready, quote unquote, whatever that means. And you pass up the guy who's really talented and could grow into something you're rolling the dice and taking a risk. And I think that Houston took a risk by not drafting Anthony Richardson, but it was a risk that I think um, they couldn't afford to take. They just, they need a guy to play sooner than later. They can't risk having Anthony Richardson not work out. So I get why it was too risky for them, but I think it's possible five, six years from now, we'll look back on Anthony Richardson and go, that guy was the best quarterback in that draft class. Oh my goodness. Now, with the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft, Carolina Carolina drafted quarterback Bryce Young out of Alabama. And uh, I love this dude. I love this dude so much. Um, he's got an ability to move, extend plays. He's going to have help too. You know, he's got Frank Reich as head coach, uh, a former NFL quarterback, a guy who has failed as a head coach before in Indy and, and even other times. And I am hoping that Frank Reich is going to learn from his failures as a head coach. A lot of people bashing him, saying he's awful. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I I don't know that he had the best ownership scenario in Indy, um, and I, I think it's also possible you learn a lot when you struggle. When you fail, you tend to learn more than when you succeed. And Frank Reich, if he's been paying attention, taking notes, and, and working hard, has— going to, he's going to have to have learned a lot from Indianapolis. And so I think it's possible Frank Reich is a better coach today than he was a year or two years ago. I have an open mind. Uh, Carolina also brought in receiver Adam Thielen. They are trying to support their young quarterback, Bryce Young. Now I, I want to talk about something I mentioned when I talked about CJ Stroud, how CJ Stroud had a bunch of help at Ohio State, great receivers, great offensive line. So yeah, Bryce Young had that at Alabama as well. Bryce Young had a lot of help, a lot of good receivers, a lot of good players around him, NFL players everywhere. But here's where their paths diverge a little bit. The way Bryce Young won was different than C.J. Stroud. They both had help. They both had tremendous talent around them. But I watched C.J. Stroud sit in the pocket, untouched often, and always have better receivers. He wasn't, I don't know... Sometimes it was like watching Ohio State was like watching a team play seven on seven. We're like, is there any, anyone getting after the quarterback at all? Oh, there's not? Okay. All right. Fair enough. Oh, receivers are wide open. That's fine. Cool. Okay. Where I watched Bryce Young run around, extend plays, avoid sacks, make stuff happen. He created big plays by extending plays and moving around. And I was like, ah, in fact, you know, it was so fun. It was my favorite quarterback to watch last year. I think Caleb Williams, if he'd come out, would have been the number one overall pick better, would have been the number one overall pick better and higher than Bryce Young. But Bryce Young's awesome. He's a tiny guy. He's like 5'10, 194 pounds. That's terrifying. He's really small. But the reason why I think Bryce Young is better than CJ Stroud is the way he played in college. He didn't just lean on, hey, I have better talent around me. He used his own talent to create plays and run around and move and make big-time throws, and I just was enamored watching him. I think he was the best quarterback in the draft. Carolina drafted the right guy. But it's going to be fun. You know, five years from now, when we look back on the 2023 NFL draft and we go, Carolina drafted Bryce Young. Will Levis fell out of the first round. Um, You know, Anthony Richardson went to Indy at four. CJ Stroud went number two to Houston. Houston. Who is going to be the best quarterback five years from now? I'm not sure. I I think it's probably going to be Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson, and I lean towards, you know, it's more risky because Anthony Richardson is farther off from being successful. But if he can develop and get good coaching, it's going to be amazing. So today the best quarterback, in my opinion, is Bryce Young. Then in time it could be Anthony Richardson – and the dark horse that could surprise everyone, what if C.J. Stroud became the best quarterback in this draft class? It would surprise me, but that'd be awesome. And it'd be great for Houston. They really need one. Now, uh, Will Levis fell out of the first round of the NFL draft. He was drafted by Tennessee in the second round, number 33 overall. I could not be less excited about him. I, I you know, I, I hear he likes mayonnaise or mayo, something like that, in his coffee. He's as bland as mayonnaise or mayo. It's like, ah, like, I just don't care. I, I, I'm not that excited about him. I don't think he's that talented. Um, it's kind of crazy that Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky, went to Tennessee to play behind Ryan Tannehill because I think that's kind of where he lines up. He actually is very similar to Ryan Tannehill. He can run around a little bit. He's got an average arm. I, you know, I'm like, ah, he's fine. I, I'm surprised Tennessee went and drafted this guy. Maybe he's cheaper than Ryan Tannehill. If he can play at a similar level, great. But I, I could not be less excited about Will Levis. I watched him get outplayed. When Kentucky played Florida last year, I watched him get outplayed by Anthony Richardson. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy Will Levis is the one we're supposed to be excited about and praise and is amazing. I was like, ah, I, I'm just not that enamored with this guy. So I have an open mind. I hope he surprises me. But I don't imagine a world where Will Levis can steal the starting quarterback job from Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. In fact, they're very similar, except that Will Levis is younger and worse and likes mayonnaise and his coffee or something weird like that. It's like, you know, it's like, okay, we'll see what happens. But I'm not impressed. And uh, I was like, yeah, okay. Now, this is worth noting about these young quarterbacks is that. So Will Levis has time to sit behind Ryan Tannehill and hopefully learn a lot. Bryce Young is going to be the day one starter in Carolina, but his backup quarterback is Andy Dalton, who's going to be a really awesome mentor, a guy who's mentored other young quarterbacks before. So Bryce Young's got Andy Dalton to lean on and ask questions of and and learn from. Anthony Richardson is going to sit in Indy behind Gardner Minshew. That's going to be awesome for him. He's going to sit and learn hopefully a lot and watch. C.J. Stroud, his backup quarterback is Davis Mills. That's not great uh, because they're both young. But also, here's the gem that I love. The third string quarterback in Houston, who's more of a quarterback coach, I would believe, honestly. The third string quarterback is Case Keenum. longtime Houston Cougar legend. Guy who's bounced around the NFL for a long time. He's on his eighth NFL team. Played in a lot of games. Uh, mentored young quarterbacks before. And I think having Case Keenum around is going to be really, really helpful, and it's a big deal. It's going to be awesome for the development of C.J. Stroud. Part of why I have confidence C.J. Stroud is going to become a franchise quarterback very quickly is because he's got a guy like Case Keenum behind him, teaching him how to work, teaching him the things he doesn't know, and asking questions that he's not sure he needs to ask. I am very excited about C.J. Stroud, and I think part of that is because he's got a veteran mentor behind him, Case Keenum. I think it's awesome. I cannot wait to see what happens. All right, guys. Last night, um, because I'm a degenerate, and I, uh, you know, before bed, I sit on my phone and I scroll through Instagram Reels. I try not to be that guy, but I am that guy. Um, it, you know, you, you go into bed, you're like, I need, this, I need to zone out for a little bit, watch some heartwarming stuff, um, or funny stuff, or whatever. But I watched a, an Instagram Reel, uh, it was posted by Decoy Cards. I have no familiarity with that. You know, it's, I don't follow them. I just saw the thing. I'm scrolling up and down, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, wow!" And in the background is real. A song is playing, "Past Lives" by Borns, a song I love. It's very, uh, it's like emotional. It kind of gets in the moment. It kind of sets the stage for what's happening. But here's the caption um, on screen. I want to read it to you. And and for this story, let me let me back up and say I'm I'm taking this all the way back to. This is a baseball story from 1997, and and this thing made me cry last night. That's how awesome this story is. Todd Pratt was drafted in 1985. He played 635 games in the minor leagues. He played minor league baseball for over 600 baseball games. Then in 1992, seven years after being drafted, he made his major league debut. For four years, he split time between the major leagues and the minor leagues. He was released in 1996 and became an instructor at a baseball academy and worked at a pizza parlor. I heard he was a manager at Domino's, coaching baseball on the side. And then in 1997, he was offered a contract by the New York Mets. Well, two years later, in the 1999 NLDS playoff game against Arizona... I had this baseball card when I was a kid. Mike Piazza. Mike Piazza was out with an injury. And and I, I watched this video last night. They're showing images of Mike Piazza on the bench. And then they move the camera over and you see this guy, Todd Pratt, batting in the 10th inning of a playoff game. So Pratt replaced Mike Piazza in game three, then started game four, which went to extra inning. So in the 10th inning, Todd Pratt hit a walk-off home run. And it even says, there's a graphic on screen, he's like 0 for 4 in the day, 0 for 7 in the series. He's been struggling, right? He's not had to hit the entire series. And Todd Pratt hit the walk-off home run to send them to the NLCS and move on in the playoffs. And it, there's this crazy moment where Todd Pratt hits his home run. He's running around first base. And he slows down because it looks like outfielder Steve Finley ran up the wall and caught the ball and robbed the home run. And I think he was thinking like, you you see the gears turning in the man's head. He's like, you know, here's my moment. He's excited. Then he goes, ah, just like the rest of my career. So close, but so far, I couldn't quite capture the magic when I needed to. And uh, Steve Finley realizes that, or sorry, Todd Pratt realizes Steve Finley didn't catch the ball. He goes, oh my gosh. I hit a home run. I hit the game winning home run. And he, you know, I started crying and watched this guy around the bases. And it it just reminds me of that quote from Moneyball. How can you not be romantic about baseball? It's just this moment from the late 90s, 1999, a baseball playoff game. I don't even follow Major League Baseball today. Someone asked me a question on Patreon about it. I wrote it down and was like, I can't even, I don't even know where to begin. I like Shohei Otani. I don't know what's happening. It's hard for me to follow baseball. But those moments that baseball provides are so incredible. And, you know, I just like, ah, if you haven't watched it, go look up Todd Pratt's game-winning home run against Arizona in the playoffs. And the backstory matters. It's a guy who for years fought for his dream and didn't make it. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. He He hit wall after wall. He found himself managing at Domino's, coaching baseball. Seven years in minor leagues. Like, he just finally finally had a moment of success. And, uh, I mean, the guy only had 49 home runs in his entire major league career. He wasn't a monumentally successful player. But that moment, you know, it's like, ah. When you know the backstory of this, this man who struggled and fought, who finally had this highlight of his career, like, that's so cool. And uh, if you want to watch Todd Pratt be the hero, go look it up on YouTube. It's a really good watch. And uh, just, just watch the moment you know, I love that these videos are archived forever in the N- MLB and it's really, really awesome. All right. Let's end today with some questions from Patreon. If you want to support the show, please do. Um, I need to pay rent and, uh, Patreon's a big deal. Please support me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Zach patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler uh, goes a long way. And, uh, it's a dollar a month, $12 a year, uh, if you want to support me at the $5 level, hey, that's great, too. You like my content, you want to see more of it. Uh, the schedule now, we're recording Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Occasionally, a Wednesday episode will come out when I have a guest. But uh, otherwise, I'm taking Wednesdays off to prepare for the rest of the week. Um, and oh, off from recording, let's be clear. I'm working on Wednesdays, but I'm writing and preparing and trying to get the rest of the week's shows prepared and ready to go. Anyway, support the show, patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. Devin wrote in first on Patreon. Devin said this, Hey, Zach, it's awesome to have you back in the sports commentary world. Here's my question. After Kenny Pickett's first start against Buffalo, you said he's a good quarterback and he's going to be a much better quarterback by the end of the year. I think you hit the nail on the head. My question is, did he meet or exceed your expectations of what he should be by the year's end? Or did you expect him to be further along in the process of development as a quarterback? As always, I look forward to the next show, Devin. Um, So, when you say Kenny Pickett, do you mean country star Morgan Wallen? No? Okay, am I the only one? No, there's a meme everywhere. He looks, it's really wild how similar Morgan Wallen and Kenny Pickett look. It's very interesting. Now, I thought that Kenny Pickett had a really good year, and I, I feel good about it. He had a couple of good games, he had a couple of interceptions that weren't his fault. I thought he improved and got better. No, I, I Kenny Pickett, to answer your question, was about exactly where I thought he needed to be by the end of the year. And um, it's a rookie year. It's, as far as rookie years go, pretty straightforward. Um, nothing horrible, but he left a, a feeling of promise. Like, hey, there's a future here. He's our franchise quarterback and it could get better even more down the road. So I'm really excited to see where Kenny Pickett goes this year, how much more he can grow and improve this fall. But uh, as far as his rookie year... I thought Kenny Pickett did a really good job. Um, I thought a couple of interceptions again are held against him that are like, ah, that's a Hail Mary. That's a tip ball. That's that. I mean, stuff that happened that was out of his control um, or like taking risks on a Hail Mary getting picked off. You're like, well, that's not really, can't really blame that on that guy. You got to take a chance before halftime. So um, I thought Kenny Pickett had a, a successful rookie year and one that I feel good about and. He was exactly what I thought he would be, and he went exactly where I thought he should be. Mark writes in. Mark says, "Hello, Zach's right eyeball. Hello, Zach's left eyeball. Oh, thank you for saying hello to both my eyeballs. <laughs> uh, hello, Zach. Thank you, man. Mark here from Montreal. I've missed your sweet, sweet voice. Welcome back, and I hope you're here to stay. I am. What's up? Every year, we see a team go from worst to from worst in their division." to best in their division. We could have said worst to first, Mark. Why did you write it like so long? Come on, you're getting wordy here. I'm kidding. I love you. Last year, we saw the Jaguars pull it off from worst to first. Which of the eight teams who finished last in their division last year do you think have the best shot of pulling it off this year in 2023? So the Jets were last in their division. The Browns were last in the AFC North. Houston, uh, no, Houston is not going to win their division. They're rebuilding got a long way to go. Denver was last in the AFC West. Washington was last in the NFC East. That's interesting. I don't think they're better than Philly, but we'll see. Washington has a shot. Chicago was last in the NFC North. Again, they're interesting, but no, they're not going to win their division. I don't know. I don't think Atlanta's going to win their division, but it is worth noting that, you know, Tampa won the NFC South at eight and nine. And then Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta were all 7 and 10. So, like, the fact that Atlanta was last in their division was by a technicality. Like, they were—they're all right there, really close to each other. Um, They just—the way the cards fell, they happened to be technically last. Because when you got three teams in your division with all the same record, it's like, wow, this is a very interesting way things worked out. Arizona was 4 and 13. Uh, They were last in the NFC West. They are still going to be bad. They are awful. I've got no hope for them. Um, so the teams I listed who were last in their division last or who could win their division this year, the, the favorite to me is the New York Jets. They added Aaron Rodgers. They got better. Maybe they add DeAndre Hopkins or something at receiver. Um, but that division, the AFC East, it's Miami, Buffalo, or New York. And I think New York has a real legitimate shot. So, uh, I have got my hopes on New York going from last to first, but Denver's interesting. However, they're not going to do it. I don't believe the Browns have a shot. Uh, I don't like DeAndre Hopkins, but admittedly, um, he can play. He's a good quarterback. There's a shot there. And then um, the teams, you know, I, I don't think Washington's going to win their division. But again, they are going to be competitive. And the NFC East is always competitive. And, you know, I, I think they haven't had a repeat winner of that division in like 10 years or something like that. Philly might do it this year. But also, you never know. Maybe someone gets hurt. Maybe it's just hard. It feels like every year it's a toss-up in the NFC East. And so, I don't know. I think if I had to put money on one team to go from worse in their division to first, I would say the Jets. And then the other teams that are interesting are Cleveland or Denver. But probably not Denver. They get a long way to go, and the Chiefs are amazing. It's hard to imagine Denver being better than Kansas City. So, probably than just New York or Cleveland because— Cleveland in year two with Deshaun Watson playing a full season. Could Denver beat Baltimore? Sorry, could, could Cleveland beat Baltimore or Cincinnati or Pittsburgh? They could definitely beat Pittsburgh or Baltimore. So if anyone's going to challenge Cincinnati for that division, it why not be the Browns? But my money on worst of first is the Jets. Uh, and the second most likely is Cleveland. All right. Uh, Jeffrey writes in, Jeffrey says, welcome back, Mr. Shamler. We've been expecting you. Have you? <laughs> anyway, I have a simple question for you. Besides Bryce Young, who are some of your favorite quarterbacks in this past draft class? They don't even have to be guys who got drafted high. Welcome back, Zach. Glad to have you doing the show again. P.S. Around this time last year, because of you, I used the Portland Pickles for my sports organization study assignment in college. And of course, I aced it. I think I remember you telling me about that. That's awesome. Um. Jeffrey, I already talked about the big ones. I talked about Will Levis. Who I'm not excited about Then I talked about the big three, the most interesting three quarterbacks in the draft from last year, Bryce Young, uh, CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson last year, this year. It's all the same. I misspoke, whatever, but let's talk about three more quarterbacks. who I haven't talked about from the 2023 NFL draft. Jay Kaner out of Fresno state is really interesting. I like him. He's an awesome leader. He's tough. He's really accurate. Um, He was drafted in the fourth round by the New Orleans Saints. I think if he gets a shot, he might take advantage of it. And uh, I I would keep an eye on Jay Kaner. If Derek Carr gets hurt, there's a shot this guy plays and does fairly all right. I like him a lot. Dorian Thompson Robinson was a guy drafted in the fifth round by Cleveland. He just never quite popped in college. I felt like Dorian Thompson Robinson is such an incredibly physically gifted quarterback he can run he can throw he's got incredible arm but DTR at UCLA in college never quite popped off the way I thought he would I was like this guy's so talented and you saw glimpses of it a couple of years ago against Washington State he scored like 64 points and you're like oh my gosh this guy's amazing there were moments of brilliance and then moments of like eh, okay he's just never never gone where I thought he could was he distracted it's LA he's got a YouTube channel a lot going on in his life was it maybe just you're a college student taking classes? We saw Justin Herbert go from Oregon to L.A. to the Chargers and get way better because in the NFL, you've got way more time to focus on football. And it's possible DTR was a guy who was really focused on school and other stuff in life. And without all those distractions that college can bring, he actually has more time to focus on football. And maybe he'll get better. I don't know. But keep Ryan DTR. Um, I mean, Deshaun Watson is a starting quarterback there, but that's a guy. DTR... Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a guy I cannot wait to watch during the NFL preseason. And then uh, another preseason hero, Stetson Bennett, fourth-round pick uh, by the Rams. This is a guy who I think could, similar to Case Keenum. Case Keenum's been on like eight NFL teams. He's 35 years old, still hung around the league for years. I think Stetson Bennett could have a similarly long career as a backup in the NFL. He's just going to, you know, stick around and linger for a long time and um, be a career backup. I think that's what Stetson Bennett is, but I think it's possible 10 years from now, we look back on Stetson Bennett and are like, oh yeah, he's still around. He's still in the NFL and still cashing checks and and collecting paychecks and, and doing okay as a backup. Don't ask him to play, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I, I'm excited to watch Stetson Bennett in the preseason with the Rams as well. Joshua writes in, Joshua says, what did you think of Houston drafting twice in the top 10? Was it worth the assets they traded away? So, um, I remember this moment watching the NFL draft. I was blown away because Houston had the number two overall pick. They drafted quarterback CJ Stroud out of Ohio state. And then Bang! They traded up again and made back-to-back picks. Houston drafted Will Anderson, number three overall from Alabama, and they traded away a lot to get him. They gave up the number 12 overall pick, the number 33 overall pick, and a 2024 first-round pick, and 2024 third-round pick. So technically, um, I mean, you swapped first-round picks, but you also gave up a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and a second-round pick to get Will Anderson A lot of people are very, very critical of this move. I remember this. You know, oh, it's a risk. How could you give up so much for Will Anderson? You overpaid. But when you look at what Houston accomplished during the 2023 NFL first round, they got a franchise quarterback that I feel good about, and they got arguably the best non-quarterback in the entire draft. A really good guy getting after the quarterback, linebacker, um... Will Anderson, you know, a franchise cornerstone on defense and your franchise cornerstone on offense, CJ Stroud. I love that. You use you, you really solidified both sides of the ball, offense and defense. And I like the risk. Yeah, you gave up a lot to get Will Anderson. But I, I hate this this world where all these people bean counters, like, oh, the, don't give away another first round picture. This another guy. It's like, shut up, shut up. Who cares? You know what the Houston Texans got? Will Anderson. You know what they gave up? Who knows? You have no idea what their next year first round pick could have become. They, they, they secured a guaranteed really good player and gave up future stuff with potential. I, I never understand this obsession with more draft picks. Don't give up draft picks. It's like, well, we've seen the Rams not have a draft pick for years. They just won a Super Bowl two years ago draft picks are overrated. And I'll take the guaranteed quantity over this future potential amalgamous thing. Who cares about draft picks? I I don't care that Houston gave up next year's draft pick and a third round pick and a second round pick. Who cares? They got Will Anderson. Maybe the best player in the entire draft, arguably, for sure. But awesome. I I I don't think they gave up too much. I feel good about it. And uh, was it a risk? Did they give up a lot? Yes. But I like the aggression. You're trying to win. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Houston, for being aggressive, trying to make a move and support your your team and make your fan base feel better. Like, they got years to go. It's going to be a while before Houston is good. And that leads me to another question. Daniel writes in and says, Zach, long time no see. What did, you, what did you think of the direction that my Texans are going in? We made a huge hire in D'Amico Ryans and attracted some free agents that we wouldn't have been able to in years past. However, our roster is still depleted, and I don't know what this, I don't know that this roster can ever contend for a Super Bowl as long as the AFC is this loaded. Unless CJ Stroud turns into a top three quarterback, the pro comparisons I've heard for him are Dak Prescott and Jared Goff, who are very good quarterbacks but need to be carried. And all due respect, injury-prone Robert Woods, Nico Collins, John Mechie, Tank Dell, and Dalton Schultz are not exactly top-tier weapons. We probably won't be competitive this year. I'm thinking a feisty 6-11. and 11. Do you think there's a path uh, in the next decade for Texans' playoff victories and being somewhat Super Bowl hopeful as we were with Deshaun Watson, or are we going to be mediocre at best for the foreseeable future? Thanks, and sorry for the long question and then a big happy face. Daniel, I love it. Um, you're asking good questions here. I think hiring Domeko uh, Ryan, Domeko Demeco Ryans, was a respectable move. Um, I don't know that he's your coach that's going to lead you to a Super Bowl, but he might be the guy to just get things solidified and stop the turmoil and have some discipline. And I hope D'Amico Ryans is there for a couple years, four or five years, and really just rebuilds a solid foundation. Again, He might be Sean McDermott for Buffalo. I think Sean McDermott rebuilt Buffalo to where they are now, but I don't know that in order for Buffalo to win a Super Bowl, Sean McDermott is the right coach. I think he's hit his ceiling and can't go any farther. That might be true with D'Amico Ryans as well, but expectations are low. Like you have, you can't get any worse, and all you can do is get better. I think D'Amico Ryans is awesome. It's a, it was hiring the guy, the best guy they possibly could. And there's so much change that needs to happen in Houston. I, In my opinion, they're years from winning a playoff game. But it doesn't mean they can't be fun. It doesn't mean that they can't... If I'm a Houston Texans fan, I you have to let go of the, the hope of winning games week to week. That's sad, but that's honest. What you want to look for is the little things, the improvement week to week, and the, the, the good moments where you can. And I think as Houston rebuilds in the next three, four, maybe five years, we're going to see a lot of... Early on, it'll be a couple of good moments every couple of weeks. Like, oh, it's well, a good moment. Oh, my, oh a nice throw. A nice this, a nice that. And then those really good moments are going to get more and more frequent until you're winning and, and succeeding. But if you're a Texans fan, just prepare yourself emotionally for a lot of bad and just let the bad, like like water on the back of a duck, just roll right off you. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I expected bad. Oh, but did you see that throw that CJ Stroud made to John Mechie? Oh, my goodness. Look for those moments, those really good, exciting moments where you can. Accept it's going to be bad. It's going to be ugly. And then find those nuggets of awesomeness that Houston's going to provide as they're this young team trying to rebuild. Young quarterback, Will Anderson III. W- Will Anderson's going to have an awesome sack this year. And you're going to be like, yeah, it's so cool. And you can yell and cheer and be excited. CJ is going to make a beautiful throw. And you're going to go, wow. Well, I want him to do that more. But that's that's amazing, right? They're gonna be. They're gonna have some kind of fun win. They're gonna win a game or two this year, and it's gonna be awesome. And they're gonna get rid bad to Miko Ryan's. So they're gonna be excited and happy. And I, I cannot say this enough. If you're a Houston fan, enjoy those rare fun moments. There's gonna be a lot of bad, but as the years go on, those fun good moments are gonna happen more and more frequently, and you'll you'll come to expect them instead of being excited and freaked out by them. But um, I think if you're a Texans fan. There's going to be a lot of fun because it's hard not to have fun when you've got a young team that's rebuilding. And there are certainly going to be good things that will happen. So let go of winning. Let the bad stuff, you know, just roll right off your back, ignore it, and focus on the good. Because I think there's going to be a lot of good if you want to find it in this new uh, rebuilding Houston Texans organization. All right, uh, final question of the day from Jacob. I don't even know. It's, is there a question or I think it's just a write-in? <laughs> it ends really funny. Jacob, thank you for writing. in. let's end the show this way. Jacob says, welcome back, Zach. I'm ecstatic to have you back again. I just subscribed to your Patreon after finding you in 2019. You were one of the very few bright spots during the pandemic. And I've always wanted to write in on here, but I always put it off. Then you left. But when I saw you were coming back, I knew I had to subscribe and write in. Listening to you has been not only... Listening to you has not only been fun, but useful as you helped me realize I needed to leave a relationship I was in during the pandemic when you were going through your very own relationship problems. Also, as a Packers fan but your criticism, helped me look at them more objectively when they would falter. Anyways, I'm glad you're back and look forward to more of you. Signed, Jacob the butt pirate <laughs> those of you who know what that means uh it's hilarious and amazing thank you jacob hope you're doing well i i'm honored you love football and you're listening to the show dude you're, you're awesome um <laughs> dude it's good to be back thanks for supporting me i appreciate it i went on a really um tough personal journey i don't know what to call it yet a journey a walkabout i don't even know what to describe the last year of my life i don't know um, it was good and it was bad and it was up and down and here we are. I'm happy. I got a studio again to work in. I'm, I'm doing well and, uh, I love you guys. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. And, uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.